A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Well, you know plenty of nerds, so <laughs> get on it. laryngitis and oh. then I kept going out on the New York uh, club scene for a week having to yell out over people's voices the New York club scene. and then I was like hey now I've permanently damaged my vocal cords cool good for me yeah because I don't need them at all in my industry <laughs> yeah exactly it's the one thing you need. I was a little scared actually I thought I had nodules but I didn't go to get it checked out anyway back well, to us you obviously <clears throat> didn't have to um last question the serious thing that's coming together it's called game changers yeah it's called game changers I love that yeah good I right? love that yeah. really good yeah, we did a whole thing on Serena. Uh, so the 19th, it'll be coming out. I ran into Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, and Judy Gold yesterday. Who's Judy Gold? So you've never heard of Judy Gold. Do you know no. Judy Gold? Is she a comedian? She's a comedian. She's yeah, fucking I feel like I'd probably see that. No, She face. did a, pe- a bit at the LPAC event for us. She was our closing act. Oh, yeah. my God, I peed my pants. Although I did tell her yesterday, she's got someone she wants to set me up with. <gasps> and I, so I texted her and I said... Uh, yeah, and let Great. me know when you're doing a stand-up because I'd like to come because the LPAC um, piece you did made me piss my pants. Although I'm 47, so it might be bladder leakage, but it's a 50-50 chance it was you. It's either you or I'm incontinent. So is she going to hook you up with somebody? Yeah, she's already on the works. Oh, we're taping. Oh, great. Just, just getting levels. Sure. Uh, Here we go. I it was going to be a hot mic after Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Can I use any of that? You can use all of it. You're the best. You're the best, Renee Stubbs. It's nice to see your face in yeah. person. Hey, nice to see your face. You survived the U.S. Open series and the U.S. Open. I did. And it's been a long summer. It has been a long summer. I know. We have seen each other. We've had, we've raised some glasses together, uh, but we haven't actually taped an episode. No, we haven't. Not for a while. uh, You know, I I had this feeling that I was going to grab all these players at the US Open and have, you know, loads of podcasts downloaded for everybody and all our listeners. But uh, instead, uh, I was working like 14 hour days and (laughs) was unable to (laughs) grab 45 minutes with anybody that I wanted to, including Darren Cahill. But we're going to get to him at some point. Good. Um, I might grab him in China. Good. Um, You, just so everyone knows, were both doing your normal duties for ESPN, which were the highest rated I saw for years and years. Yes, the highest rated um, for a long time. But the women's final got over 3 million uh, viewers and the men's got 2 million. And one for the men. Mm. Don't worry, we're going to get to that in a bit. Um, and also, I got a text from my friend Don um, among the mer- myriad of people I met at the US Open who told me that they love our podcast and they love you. And, you oh. know, a lot of them love me, honestly. Well, I uh, need more people to love me in other ways. But, that's Caitlin, right. that's a whole different uh, podcast. That's our relationship podcast coming yeah. soon. What is that called? What uh, are we going to call Love School oh, okay. with our friend Andrea Pekovic. Yeah. <laughs> a very, a very strange adventure through romance and advice. But uh, a lot of people, including my friend Don, said that you were their favorite commentator. Oh, well, thank you, Don. I appreciate that. In addition to that, you were coaching. I was coaching, yeah. I got uh, called up by um, Carolina Plishkova, um, literally at the airport at LaGuardia, flying to Montreal to work for ESPN. Um, she just said, would you finish out the year with me, basically? And um, my obviously my commitments to ESPN and not wanting to... Uh, sort of cross-pollinate with uh, other players and not have any players, I mean, basically pissed off at me because I'm supporting Mm -hmm. one player over them and I have to interview them and I have to analyse matches. So it's a a slight conflict that I don't want to really, you know, that I can't really avoid at the moment, Mm -hmm. but uh, I really want to help her through the year and so we'll see where that goes and um, hopefully ESPN um, 
I understand that uh, I'm trying to do what I love as well, which is coach. Uh, I feel like I coach when I commentate. Uh, so, yeah, so <laughs> you do. we're, we're going to finish out the year together um, and we'll see if I can get her back on track a little bit, get her confidence up. Well, you're not the only commentator who coaches, obviously. Lindsay Davenport on the Tennis Channel coaches uh, from time to time Madison Keys, Darren Cahill, your ESPN colleague, does a lot of coaching, uh, is the main coach for Simona Halep, although he commentates on men's matches yeah. as that's, a policy. That's, you know, that's sort of where they can get around a little bit. He works with the men and uh, obviously works, you know, works uh, commentates the men and works with a female player so it doesn't really it's not really that bad um so for me it just you know have this little bit of fine line and making sure that all the players understand that I still respect them and um appreciate all that they do and not try and you know make it uncomfortable for them well you're bringing an objectivity that I think serves you well as a commentator too which is that you're seeing the game in a way that is super super instructive especially for those of us watching along at home like your doubles commentating in particular which makes me just so uh excited to watch more and more doubles is super super useful because that's what most people play recreationally and not that many people watch doubles but you call doubles in a way that you know very very few people can where it's both I'm involved you're involved yeah (laughs) I'm fully involved I'm like dissecting the match and Seeing what I would do um, in those matches, uh, the U.S. Open final was a fabulous match, 7-6 in the third. It was match points galore yeah. for both teams. So one of those teams was always going to be uh, disappointed, and in the end it was Ash Barty who, and Coco Vandewey who won their first Grand Slam title ever together, yeah. um, beating Mladenovic and Babos, who had won the Australian Open earlier this year. So they would have been disappointed because they really they had a set um, and had two match points in the second set, and then they had... I believe a match point in the tie break as well. So in the third, so it was uh, an unbelievably entertaining match. And the great thing about it was it had backed up right into the men's uh, final. Was it the final? Yeah, the yeah. men's final mm-hmm. on Sunday. Yeah. So they had an enormous crowd, um, which is such a great feeling. That happened to me actually the first year I won my first Grand Slam in Australia. Our final took almost three hours, so it had backed up into the men's semi-final uh, at the Australian Open. So it was an absolutely packed crowd. So for me, that moment of winning my first Grand Slam in front of my hometown, that would have been for Coco, uh, in front of this full stadium was uh, amazing because we, you know, sadly don't get to have that opportunity. And they loved it. The crowd loved it. And I'm sure people watching at home loved it as well. Well, yeah, I sat and watched both Babos and Mladenovic as well as a lot of the men's doubles matches. And truly, truly, in addition to advising people who, whenever they can, should just go and sit and watch elite tennis, whether you've heard of the player or not, but also make time to watch doubles. It's so great. It's so fast. And the crowd really does get into it because you can see... Um, you know all these different tactics and speed and ha- you know it's it's That's incredible communication, and know, communication and teamwork. The mixed doubles was fun. Obviously, Bethany Maddox Sands coming back from that uh, knee massive knee injury last year at Wimbledon came back and won um, another Grand Slam title with Jamie Murray. And Jamie lost in the finals of Wimbledon in the mixed, and then was also the defending champion of the mixed doubles at the U.S. Open. So. Back-to-back wins for him. Um, so that's a great continued story for the Murray family and also for Bethany Maddox-Sands to come back and, and have that um, exposure to another slam title. So the US Open was very exciting, the doubles and the mixed, and, of course, um, the singles, but we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. Okay, so leading up to that, let's go through the US Open series. Last time we checked in, you were up uh, in Canada. I was in San Jose, then I went to Canada. And then I went to Cincinnati uh, to coach Carolina, and then I was in New Haven, Connecticut, and then eventually onto the US Open. So it was a very busy summer for me. Yeah, uh, San Jose um, was won by Buzanescu, um, and then sadly for her, the following week she rolled her ankle terribly yeah. in Montreal. Um, so sad to see that happen after rising, I believe, into the top twenty for the first time. And then uh, the Montreal tournament was incredible, uh, as it always is. Your hometown, my hometown, right? yeah, um, where they. Freaking love their tennis. Yeah, it's they do. amazing how much support they get there. Um, Given that you can only play it outside for about two months of the year, they really why. get excited about yeah. it. Maybe that's why. Yeah, yeah. There's no umbrellas. There's no hats. They're just like loving the sun. They're there. soaking up the sun. And it was bloody hot. But yeah. um, anyway, Simona Hallett played uh, Sloane Stevens in the final. There. That was a great final. Absolutely one of the best matches I've seen. Totally. The entire year. It was probably top three behind Hallett and Kerber at the Australian Open and the Hallett Wozniacki final at the Australian Open. This match was unreal. I mean, un- I, I, you know, when I sit courtside and do these matches and I want to stand up and clap, I know it's a good match. Yeah. Because I sit and watch a lot of friggin' tennis. What I loved about it is obviously it was a re- replay of the French Open final where we had Halep and Sloan. And Sloan, I mean, she's unbelievably yeah. athletic and skilled and turns offense into 
defense and defense and offense. You know, you can't quibble with anything she does on the court, but sometimes people, I think, who I've talked to have a hard time getting behind her because it doesn't feel like she is emotionally invested. Yeah. Whether or not that's true, you felt it in Montreal. Oh my she God. was in that match. Oh, I, I think um, I've seen it since um, she won the US Open. I saw a change in her when she came back from her injuries uh, through the summer last year and then obviously the US Open. I think she won every match at the US Open, I believe, in almost three sets, mm-hmm. except the final. She won comfortably. Uh, You're talking about last year against Last Keys. year at the US Open, right. yeah. Um, and then uh, obviously she's had, you know, she had some tough times after that, losing, I believe, six or seven first rounds including the Australian Open. But then when she digs her heels in, she becomes this different person. And I saw that at the French Open at the beginning of the tournament. I did pick her to get through, and she did. And then, you know, she ran out of steam in the third set mm-hmm. against Halep because Halep just tortures you, literally tortures you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our side friend side, Andrea Pekovic has said it's like fucking hell playing yeah. her, you know. Um, and then uh, in Montreal, again, up a set, you know, uh, sorry, lost the first set. And I thought, well, this will be interesting to see what happens. And she dug in yeah. again and dug in so tough in the second set. And then again in the third set, and it was a, it was up and down and you didn't know who was going to win. So for me, that was one of the great matches I've seen all year. Um, I, I ple- please pray God that they're in many Grand Slam semis or finals in the coming years because they're both young and... Man, they play some great tennis. Their matchup is really yeah, compelling. It's awesome. It's awesome. I would have loved to have seen that at any time through the summer. So then uh, New Haven was, um, excuse me, uh, Arena Sabalenka, who had an unbelievable I summer. Love her. I mean, this girl came back from, she's freaking Lazarus. She came back from match points down, left, right, and center against Wozniacki, Pliskova, because uh, I had to watch that. Garcia. Yeah. Shit, I can't remember. There were so yeah. many. There were so many matches that she won down match point. What was it? Montreal quarters, Cincinnati semis. New Haven victory, yeah. right? I mean, unbelievable. And she was a bulldozer, top 10 players falling left and right. I love her. I just want to say I have loved her from the jump. From last year's uh, Fed Cup? From last year's Fed Cup. I was like, who is this kid? She yeah. put all of Belarus on her back, not to discredit um, Sasnovich. Um, who did a pretty bloody great job Who as well. did a great job as well. But just, you know, who is this kid? She looks like Athena. It's it's like her and Sasnovich are so different, though, because Sasnovich looks like she just... She's just walked off the street, and who is this kid? She's like, like hey, I guess she's I'll like play a some greyhound. Yeah. She's like a little bit of a greyhound, and she sort of doesn't change her facial expressions. Yeah. One of the funniest people you'll ever interview because yeah. she has a quite the quick sense of humour. I, I saw her I get to the finals after getting through qualifying in uh, Brisbane earlier this year, and I thought, who's this kid? And I remember talking about these guys to Lisa Raymond, who's the coach of the Fed Cup team for the US. And I said, oh, the Americans are going to win so easily in the final. They played nobody, and Vika you know, wasn't Azarenka there. Wasn't yeah, there. Exactly. And she's like, no. Renee, honestly, these girls are really good. I'm telling you, you'll be, you're going to be surprised. And yeah. man, was I surprised. Yeah. But Sabalenka sort of put herself on the map there and this crowd. And, and I thought, who is this chick? She does look like Zena. She should be in bloody Wonder Woman. She could be the next Wonder Woman. Totally. But her coach refers to her after she beat Carolina in um, Cincinnati. I walked by him. He goes, oh. It's tough to beat her when she goes into beast mode. Beast mode. And I was like, oh, that is so appropriate. Totally. And she's got this massive tiger tattoo. I ran into her in the parking lot at Indian you love Wells. That. Well, I love that because I love tattoos. Did you guys tattoos. compare? We did. Yeah, we compared tattoos. And uh, she was like, oh, yes, I got it in Minsk. It is because I'm near the tiger. And I was like, well, it's really cool and I like it. You know, Racket What's yours? I have a giant owl on my arm. What does an owl symbolize? It's my grandmother, who's cool and taught me how to play oh, tennis. Okay, she had giant Now I feel like shit. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. Uh, well, no, but she, and then she's like fierce and six feet tall and comparing tattoos and then she was like thank you it was nice to meet you ha, oh, yeah. ha, ha. and I was like what yeah I was expecting she's you to like tear your shirt no, open no. and like you I think don't know she's gonna be like get away from me blood she's sacrifice like, hi thank you so much I'm, I mean she's a sweetheart I'm super pumped for yeah, her yeah, her yeah. ascendance on the WTA tour means great things well the best match of the US Open was the Osaka Sabalenka by a mile quarterfinal was unreal unreal um, and I think if Sabalenka had won that match we might have she been won the crowning her the US Open because they have the same Lack of fear, yeah. Uh, the two of them, and it was just like we saw, when we saw that they were playing each other. Oh, the yeah. ESPN crew. Sadly, we didn't get to see a lot of it on the TV because Djokovic was playing at the same time, mm-hmm. and you know the powers that be wanted to see Djokovic. You know he's a bigger name, and so for numbers and all that sort of stuff, I understand it from the TV side, but. We, uh, the women particularly at ESPN, were fucking jammed up going, this is going to be the match of the tournament. These two are so awesome and they're young and this is the future of women's tennis. Uh And, man, they gave us exactly what we expected. So look out for Sabalenka. She'll be my 
dark horse, there's no doubt about it. She's going to get a Grand Slam in the oh, next yeah. two years. Uh, I mean, right? A hundred percent. I hope that we get that matchup time and oh, time and time again, and I feel like we will. We'll get, like, you know, and this is what we have to start talking about on the women's side. We have Zabalenka's and those Osaka's and, you know, now Sloane Stevens solidifying herself as a, yeah. you know, contender, Halep, all these players that... Um, you know, once Serena is retired, I mean, we do have to start looking at these next superstars. And, and the tour is in good hands, I think. Oh, I mean, yeah. honestly, these kids, variety, personality, yep. background in terms of awesome. geographic, socioeconomic. I mean, and they're cool. 20. And they're Those 20. Two are 20. I know, it's great. I mean, think about Serena and Venus still playing in their, you know, mid to late 30s. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if these guys will. The money's so big, but. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches on the women's side. I- yeah, that's I'm awesome. Jacked about it, honestly. Yeah. People, when people ask me about my favorite tennis players, I have to remember that there's a men's tour. But let's get to the men's tour because I know we're going to have a lot to talk about with Serena, and I do want you know people who feel like this is a real vag fest to get the well, sense that we at least do occasionally care about men's tennis. Yeah, which sometimes. I do occasionally. Do we? What happened? I don't know. Just kidding. Haha. <laughs> well, Djokovic, uh, you know my guy Delpo. I love him. Ugh, it's just a don't big we all walking heart? Don't we all? I just I picked him to win the tournament. Um, I put pressure on him when I saw him in the. Uh, the hallways at the US Open every time. Yeah. I was like, you're my pick, you know. Don't let me down. <laughs> Good. And he's like, I will try. Yeah. I, he's just the biggest giant of a love fest as well. And if anybody doesn't know anything about Juan Martin Del Potro, the Tower of Tendil, they call him, yeah. um, Chloe Cooper-Jones, who's a writer for GQ, did an amazing story about him and his sort of spring and summer mm. coming back from years and years of being sidelined with injuries, both Terrible sides injuries. of his wrists. Yeah. He won the U.S. Open in 2009, beating Roger Federer kind of shockingly to a lot of people, went away for a while with injuries, came back and made it to the finals of the Olympics in yeah. Rio in 2016 and and fell just short of Andy Murray winning the silver yeah. and, you know, reignited everyone's love affair with him. Yeah, Again, we went him. away with injuries and then won Indian Wells this year. Yeah, we love him. Handily. Number three in the world. Uh, I don't know if he'll move up after the U.S. Open, but, uh, you know, Djokovic has just sort of solidified himself after winning winning Wimbledon in the U.S. Open now as he is well and truly back. I mean, Delpo was in that match maybe for a game or two in the second set, but yeah. it was a Djokovic yeah. slaughtering. Uh, so now the question has to be asked of who's going to be the guy who's going to have the most Grand Slams at the end of their career. Because it's a lot of probably people, Djokovic. But a lot of people feel that now Djokovic is sort of starting to climb back those numbers in the slam title and he's still so young. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Roger, Roger, Roger struggled and he hasn't played well since um, winning the Aussie. Mm-hmm. Um He's really struggled. And now you have to start asking the question, does age become a factor now? Um, he was really affected by the heat, which is very unusual. Yeah, um, it's the first time I've ever seen him sweat. sweat in his life right. and he's dying. Yeah. And I noticed that in the match before he did the post-match interview and he was very um, short of breath hmm, doing the interview, which was, I was like, what is going on there? Well, maybe you know, you 36 can, years you can really finally hear catch him up with like, you. Really? Yeah. I was like, I was like well, what's going on there? Because, hmm. you know, normally he's just so pristine and perfect. Yeah. Um, so that's the question. Obviously, Rafa, you know, the hard court season, how much can he Five play on hard court? That's he, tough the for knees two are, weeks. Yeah. It's tough for him. That's why clay is such a good surface for him. It doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't get that same pounding on the knee. So, listen, we've counted those two out before. I have. Yeah, sure. Me um, too. So don't be surprised if they're back in the Australian Open. Yeah, but, but Novak has a winning record against, against all of them. All of them and a shockingly lopsided winning record against Andy Murray and Delpo, yeah. who are less likely to retire probably, yeah. at least given age, than, than Nadal and Federer. Yeah. Like, he's, he, what's going to stop him? I don't know. Yeah, I don't Not th- these young guns. I don't think much now. I think he's got his confidence back and he's got that impen... In, what's, the, what's the word? In, Impenetrable? Impen- thank you. Yes. Yeah. That's why I'm and here. I'm not even hung over today. Um, <laughs> uh, wall back, you know, where he doesn't miss. So when he gets that, he gets the confidence, uh, the servers back because the elbow problems have mm-hmm. now been fixed apparently, yeah. um, then he's going to be really hard to beat in Australia because he loves that tournament. So Let me ask you one favorite. last question about the men's because you have declared Novak Djokovic the favorite for Ozzy. Yeah. I don't see any no. reason to disbelieve that. He'll probably win the tour finals. Yeah. What do you think about, we've kind of already discounted the generation that came after Rafa and Roger, um, you know, your Dimitrovs, your yep. Sangas, yep. you know, these guys. Yeah, done. D- right? Yeah. What about the team? Yeah. Team Zverev. is definitely, oh, team will 100% win the French Open within the next three years. Tim, team came very close no, no, to making 100% a win semi the French against Open. Nadal. Once Nadal's gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Once Nadal is gone, somebody else will win the French Open. Right. And it will be Dominic Team. There's I mean, no question about it. I like his odds on clay certainly oh. hard court yeah grass it seems like that's a grass no order uh no chance uh but if he does well done that means he's changed his thought process and he's standing more up in the court and all that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. stuff but what about like zverev and zverev and... for sure but zverev has to why can't he break through at these five sets? i don't know i think, think listen i think 
uh, getting uh, Ivan on his team is going to make a huge difference. This is him. Ivan Lendl, yeah. he of the incredible fashion during the 80s. The you love his fashion. You, you may still have a shirt of his. I do. I have that do Adidas. Do you have the shorts as well? I do. Wow. I'm a creepy lesbian who you does a lot so, of eBay deep You dives. even brought out poor, your poor wife, Claire. She can't get rid of those feeler shorts that you, you brought out. Those Borg shorts? Yeah. Yep. She's tried to throw them away numerous times. They're monumental. Claims, claims me wearing them is vulgar. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. That's a big word. That's a success for a, you know, uh, a marriage when you you countervail your wife's tendencies to throw away your clothing. Oh, well, well done. Well, the rule is that if you buy something, uh, you have to throw something out in your house, correct? She is. She should like have a book and a philosophy and tour the world helping people get rid of their clutter. She's uh, a formidable Oh, she woman. should come to my place because God knows I'm, I, I'm not, a, I'm not a, um, a hoarder or anything, but shit, I have. Well, there's a lot of trophies in like Fed Cup outfits. What's in your house is really cool. Yeah, that's true. We could Listen, make millions. Listen, I have a friend who is a little bit like that too, my friend Joe, who tends to buy shit and bring it into the apartment and doesn't tell her wife for about three days cool. until she says, is that new? No, I've had this for months. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, you know, everybody has their issues when it comes to buying shit. And I'm one of those people. Well, so, let's leave that for our love advice podcast. Yeah, sorry. God, we totally went off okay. the subject. Anyway, ready? off men. Yeah. Are we going to get to it? Yeah, let's go. Here we go. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Here we go. Serena Williams. How much backstory do you think Racket Magazine podcast listeners need? Do we need to go break by break through this? Um, do we assume that they've seen it or at I least think that most encounter... people have seen it. Let, let, let me give you the quickest, um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, cliff notes. Uh, Serena got a warning for coaching. Uh, her coach was seen gesturing with his hands forward, which is pretty innocuous, Caitlin. I know we're going to get into Save the analysis. This. Just pretty give innocuous. us the TikTok. Um, and so the umpire saw that and decided to give a coaching warning, mm-hmm. which, what the fuck? Uh, we're going to get into that. And so she, of course, uh, heard this, and I could tell that straight away she went back to return serve, and I could tell that her brain was going, fuck no, mm. I'm not letting this go. Mm-hmm. I did not see any coaching. I'm not going to take this. This is now, now you're attacking my character. Mm-hmm. You have to remember something. We have WTA on the WTA two. We have allow we allow a coaching visit every set. Yes, Serena Williams, I believe, has never used that. Right, she does okay. not need. Coaching. She doesn't believe in coaching during matches. Mm-hmm. She doesn't rely on coaching in matches, mm-hmm. or she would have used the coaching in the, on the WTA tour. Right. So she's never done that. She's never used it. It's obviously you know as an umpire, you also know as an opponent. There are certain players that you play against, and there's certain players' boxes that you have to keep your eye out on okay mm-hmm. the yeah. coach yeah consistently mm-hmm. and there are a lot of top players that will remain nameless that have coaches that coach non-stop mm-hmm. from the stands okay and do not get coaching warnings because the umpire kind of just goes oh how egregious is it you know well and let's just let's, let's just let's bring put a head on this you are a coach yeah and, and and i there's no question i say stuff that is would be deemed possibly as coaching okay you know but how much can they hear? How much can they see? You know, play, how much are you actually affecting you know, the player? Coaches are got signals. I mean, I remember when uh, <laughs> I remember when Lisa Raymond and I were together, and she would play matches. And I swear to God, I would like touch my right ear, serve it out wide. I mean, there are signals. It's mm-hmm. like baseball. So umpires don't even know what the signal is. You could have wiped your your brow, and that could be mm-hmm. you know chip and come into the net. I mean, there's so many signals that c- coaches can. Do mm. Tony Nadal coaches all the time? Yep, all the time. Everybody knows it. He and even admits it. The same umpire, in fact, called 
Nadal not only in the past, they've had a lot of dust-ups, but also in this tournament for yeah. coaching. But, you know, it, he, it happens all the time. He never gets called on it. He okay? does get called on Once it. Once in a no, blue No, 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 all the time. And he got called in this tournament. I'm going to just fact-check okay. the few right. things that are widely By available. the same umpire, the US Yes, Open? same umpire. Okay. All right. So, okay. So, but he is notorious at doing it, mm-hmm. right? So good for him for calling him on it, right? I would say that Serena's not notorious for doing it. I, I know mm-hmm. her well. I, you know, Patrick... It's the, what he did, the signal he did, was pretty innocuous. Mm-hmm. It was. So okay. you were surprised, in other words. I was surprised that he was given uh, a warning for that. And secondly, at the time, ESPN showed the split screen. She wasn't even looking at him at the time. So I know that's not the rules, the way it's written. If you see the coach coaching, you have to give a warning. So technically a violation, however, something that most people get away with, that seems clear. On the most people, basis. Most people have interpreted this chain of events as... It was a stretch of a call. Yeah, and and he should have said to Serena, I think he should have given Serena the chance, knowing Serena, knowing that she's not one of those people most of the time, to say, Serena, tell Patrick to watch himself. Mm-hmm. And that happens mm-hmm. often. Yeah. I would say that happens more than actually calling a coaching violation. Okay, so let's get into what happened next just to get people Break caught up. Break a bracket. Now as a Two code. games later... She breaks a racket, automatic code violation. Yeah. Nobody disputes that. If you break a racket, you get a code oh, violation. As soon as she did it, I went, oh, my God, that's a point penalty. Yep. Oh, shit. Okay, so you have to remember two games prior to that when she's having the conversation with him at the chair. She's pleading with him that I didn't see any coaching. I do not get coach, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And he said, I understand, you know, and he's trying to please her and say – Diffuse. What, diffuse the situation. And she's like, okay, we're on the same page, right? So you're – you you understand me, right? Mm-hmm. I really think in my heart she thought she thought he'd he rescinded the back. warning. But in not to take sides because I think it's clear what sides we're both on on this, uh, which is yay tennis. He you can't take a. I, I know that nobody can I, take it. Back. I I know that, and that is the one question I want to ask Serena. Did you think that he rescinded that warning? Yeah, because th- why would you throw your racket knowing you're going to get a point violation at yeah. that time in the match? It's not a good time to throw your racket, no. right? So because most people when they do get a warning make a decision, okay, I'm going to cool it or I'm going to antagonize this further. Like Benoit Paire, for example, broke three Me. rackets, incurred you. I mean, come you know, on. If you know you're going to go there, you're going to go there. I had a point violation at the Australian Open in my first round, the year I won the Australian Open. And I'd had a warning, um, and it was uh, Pascal Marie was the umpire, and he and I now have talked about it. And we're friends. And I'm friends with, I would say, all the umpires that I've yelled at. And, um, <laughs> because most of the time I was right. But uh, anyway, uh, I he asked... In the first game, um, my doubles partner, Lisa Raymond, had Achilles problems from time to time. And she said, oh, shit, I think I've just hurt my Achilles. And I was like, oh, my God, we need the trainer. Yeah. Now, I turned around in the middle of the game. It was the first game of the third set. And I turned around to him and I said, can you get the trainer? Yeah. Uh, not, it's juice. It's a huge game, all right? And he's yelling out to us, but I need to know for what. I go, no, you don't. Yeah. Just call the f- trainer, yeah. right? And we're trying to win this game. Can you stop talking to us? You know. Yeah. So in, anyway, it ensued. I walked up to him and I said... He goes, Renee, I need to know for what. I go, no, you don't. You just need to call the umpire. Now I'm getting super mad, right? Because yeah. I'm like, he's antagonizing me, which is kind of what happened the other day. Yeah, and you're, 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 you're veins are pumping out. with you're, adrenaline and, and you're, you're stressed amped out, up. man, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I called him a French prick. And a French prick? A French prick. Was he French? Yeah. Okay. And he gave me a warning. Oh. Now, I, now, on top of that, I had a point penalty. Now, Lisa is grabbing my shirt, literally, because he's now going back and forth to me. And I'm like, you're so wrong in this mm-hmm. circumstance yeah. to antagonize me and keep going. You just yeah. needed to call the trainer. And shut up. Right. That's it. Right. So I got, you know, so amped. And Lisa literally grabbed me. If I had one more back then, it was point game. It was yeah. gone. You're yeah. done. Right. See you later. And that year we won the Australian Open. So I can understand Serena's a- angst and anger to being accused of something that she really in her heart feels like she's not. And by all accounts, she it, nobody. No. Nobody. She doesn't exchange signals. That there are many totally. players to do. Yeah. But she walked after she got that point penalty. And what? And she knew she had a second code, or didn't know she had a second code, mm-hmm. and walked to the first court. She didn't. Wa- she should have walked to the love fifteen or mm-hmm. fifteen love. Yeah. But she walked to the f- and she said, "What? What are you talking about?" Yeah. And he goes, "That was your second code." Yeah. So now in her brain, she's like, "You didn't rescind it. Oh, now you're calling me. You yeah. really are and that calling me." Uh, escalated. Life. So now that escalated everything even more because she's like, "You, f- you, I can't, you know." So she's going out of her yeah. mind yep, yep. now, right mm-hmm. now taken a point from me and I believe did she break that game that she was down when she was down 3-2 she came back to 3-0 yeah. yes and I think the here's the biggest problem with this is where I have a little bit of a problem with Serena mm. and I love Serena but when it got to 3-0 she was back yeah. the crowd were on her side Absolutely. she had everything going for her 
and she played a fucking terrible game at three all. She double folded. She missed a back end down the line. She mm. missed balls that she shouldn't have. I believe she may have even double folded twice. Or she made errors. Naomi was like, what is going on? She mm. was totally overwhelmed at that moment. And Serena lost her serve. Now she's so pissed at herself. Okay. And now all the stuff that's happened prior mm-hmm. is now coming back and the, the umpire is going to get it now. Mm-hmm. Not, she should have given it to herself at that moment. Because at that moment, she what was What do you mean given it to herself? She should have controlled herself at that moment. Uh-huh. Okay. And sat down and realized that really the onus then was on her. Because mm-hmm. when it got to three all, it had nothing to do with the umpire now. Mm-hmm. It was all about how she was playing and she did not play a great game at mm-hmm. three all. Yeah. So when she sat down, she took her anger and her being upset out on the umpire and wanting an apology. Yeah. And kept going and belaboring that issue. And of course, he and they responds called him a liar and cheat. by when being called a liar and a cheat, which by the book, people are like, oh, well, she didn't curse at him. Actually, the rule is not if you curse at an umpire. The rule is if you question the integrity of an umpire. So technically, again, a question of application of rules, certainly valid. Yeah. A question of what the rule is, black and white. If you question their integrity, calling them a thief or a liar, it is worse, in fact, than using F-bombs. Totally. But in your mind, is that justified that he takes a game from her? No, because I think at that moment you have to understand as an umpire, you're you're the only one that can settle that situation mm-hmm. at that moment. Serena mm-hmm. could have. There's no doubt. I, I, I truly think that she made a huge mistake there of belaboring the issue mm-hmm. with the point penalty in the coaching. She should have let it go. But she also, I know her, she didn't drop the F-bomb. I know you're saying it's part of it. Yeah. But, you know, she didn't get to the point where she's like, you're a fucking liar, you're a fucking cheat. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that would have been, oh, it's done. So like, in your uh, mind, she was exercising restraint. She was trying her best. Okay. Yeah. So when she got up from that, I think you have to understand as an umpire, you're umpiring a U.S. Open final. Mm-hmm. It is a set in 4-3 mm-hmm. and it's a break. Yeah. You got to stay away from that. Mm-hmm. You got to let that go. Yeah. You've got to let that go and let the players be the ones that end up deciding that match. Mm-hmm. And I think that that was a massive mistake from him. I think he overstepped by giving the coaching warning. Mm-hmm. I really do. And then I think he just kept it going. And that last one to give a game penalty was huge because Naomi Osaka probably would have got up, held serve and been up 5-3. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have had this. Yeah. We wouldn't have had this over. It was already a problem, but she had that in 9 against, you know, Kim Kleisters with the foot fault and the, you know, I'm going to shove this ball down your We've had that. We had in 04 the shit with the line calls. We had 2011 against Sam Stoza with the come on and the point, you know, the warning there. And the, she's had her problems on mm-hmm. that court. Yeah. That was a moment to say, I'm going to swallow my pride here. It may not be the right thing as an umpire because she has question my integrity mm-hmm. but do i really I'm want to insert myself insert myself in this match now that is going to be obviously yeah huge right and that was a mistake from him the thing that and it took away in the end it took away from naomi's victory i agree that naomi's victory was overshadowed from my perspective she was going to win that match no matter what but you but here's the problem well, we, we don't, we'll never know. Right. That's my problem. But but I don't think we'll never know because... Well, she lost a service game the one before. Fine. But she beat Serena. Now, granted, a more diminished Serena. A she Serena served without, it out beautifully. At 5'4", 20 years old, first Grand Slam final, playing her idol with the crowd lustily oh, yeah. booing at this Ter- point. It was terrible. Terrible. The crowd has absolutely... Like nothing but no, it's um, terrible. Ref- Everybody should be ashamed to, to do. do. They should. Yeah. And I have friends who were in there who were booing, partially Shame because they were confused, but also we we can get to that. To me, what happened was you saw a player who was losing, who was getting beaten, beaten, no question, not handily beaten. Everything Serena had to throw at her was getting thrown at no her, question. and Naomi was handling it beautifully. And being a really, really big Naomi Osaka fan, to me, the question of, and I and I have and I will continue to sort of give every benefit to the doubt of what it is to be a woman, what it is to be a person of color, who I, which I don't understand and I can only guess, um, and just cataloging the myriad ways that these Williams sisters, both Serena and Venus, but especially Serena, has been have been policed through their whole career, what anger, how much other people related to that anger and why and how it's been, you know, yeah. stuffed back inside and policed by typically male authority figures. You know, I I have spoken about that. You have spoken about that. Yeah. We can talk about that more. But in this moment, what I was thinking was she's pissed. She's losing. She's trying to make the match about something else more than anything else. Was it a fight for women or people of color? I don't know. I think it was a fight for herself yeah. because she was on the ropes. Taking the officiating out of it, which maybe you can't do, but in the context of knowing how Serena is as a competitor, and you know her better than I do, so yeah. maybe this won't ring true, but 
I saw a player who was trying anything. Is that fair? No, I don't think she was trying. I don't think it was. Um, I don't think it was gamesmanship. I mm-hmm. think it was her losing control. Yeah, and I think that Serena, um, you know, she has that personality. She'll admit it. I mean, she has a personality that can sometimes go off the rails and get very angry and mm-hmm. um, and get you know sort of you know protecting herself. Yeah. Um, which as you've already you know. For reasons about, we understand. Which, uh, 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 reasons we understand. And that Indian Wells episode still to this day is um, the second worst thing I've ever seen on tennis court with the crowd booing her playing against Kim Clijsters. So, yeah. um, and you know, she's gone through years of playing at the US Open. I remember commentating uh, a sideline match and I did a post-match interview with her and I, di- I literally said to her, how does it feel to have this crowd support finally? Mm-hmm. I-, I said those words to her. What did she say? Oh, it was fantastic. Obviously, you know, she replied great. And um, because there were years that she did not have support yeah. at the US Open. And to be clear, the tennis establishment yeah. now treats her oh. with yeah with reverence. The cr- and the crowd. And the crowd. And thank but God. that was not, no. many people forget, that was not the way that she had been treated forever. I remember mm. commentators who are famous now who played alongside the Williams sisters who had, who, who the, the rumors were that other people on the tour treated them terribly because they didn't basically want to make room for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, uh, we can chronic yeah. go through a chronological order of the things that you know have they've had to suffer through, um, and et cetera. The the bottom line is in in this final, it was nobody won, yeah. and I feel like in the end, um, I would have loved loved to have seen Naomi Osaka held serve at four three. And Serena holds serve to make it 5-4. And that kid serves it out the way she did. Yeah. Without any question mark or asterisk next to that scoreline. Nothing but cheers. Well, I mean, I don't know if she would have got cheers because it was quite obvious that um, the crowd was still going to be very pro-Serena, mm-hmm. which they should be. I mean, she's, you know, one of the greatest female athletes we've ever seen in the world. And she's American. And we're yeah. playing in America. I don't know. I tend to disagree with that. I feel like tennis should be always applauded. Ah, come on. Go to Wimbledon but, when you're playing. Yeah. Go to Murray, Wimbledon. Go to Australia know, when you're yeah. playing in Australia. I think that's an unrealistic yeah, almost, expectation on my part. You know, I mean, in Paris, good luck. Playing yeah. a French person. I mean, what a nightmare. I'm still, still hearing, you know, French <laughs> names in my head in Paris. <laughs> but, I mean, that's just a parochial crowd of what you should get when you're playing at home. Home field advantage. But yeah. what happened is that you know, that's a sad asterisk to that match. And I would have loved to have seen that kid earn her right um, throughout the whole match in holding serve at 4-3 and holding serve at 5-4 because I do believe she could have done, would have done that, but we there's still that question mark. And that bothers me as a competitor. That yeah. bothers me as a competitor. Yeah. I'm like, everyone's going to question that for the rest of my life. Yeah. Everyone's going to question that. And that freaking sucks. And I served out the match. There's no question. But what about that little extra help to yeah. get to 5-3? Yeah. He should have not given that yeah. opportunity uh, for an asterisk. Yeah. And he should have said, this is the the game right now. This match is bigger than me and my ego. Mm-hmm. And I got to let this one go. And it may, I may be making a mistake. We saw an umpire get out of the fucking chair yeah. and stand in front of a tennis player a week earlier to yeah. coerce him to try. That was awful. That, that to me, that was egregious. Nick Kyrgios should have been defaulted that. to that. me, was the and worst the umpiring I've ever seen. Agreed. Everyone's like, oh, he was trying to get, no, you know, no, no, he's no. just trying to be a good guy. No, don't, I don't know. Don't change You're the an umpire. The you don't yeah. get out of a chair. Yeah. You say to him, if you don't start trying... I'm going to give you a warning. Yeah. There's a, there's a code for that. Yeah. He didn't get a code for that. Yeah, he, he was have. tanking. Yeah. He was tanking balls in the net. Now, I don't I like Nick. So, it's nothing against Nick. And if he wants to throw that match, let him throw the match. But it's not your job as an umpire to get out and encourage him. You're not no. his coach. I would have been What about that? Furious if I were Instead, Pierre Hubert who lost the match, exactly. who was winning the match exactly. and that changed the course of the match. That is egregious. What 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 he did was in my opinion overstep the line to not understand the big picture of that moment uh-huh. of a final of a Grand Slam. Okay, so let me... I disagree only in the sense that I don't think Naomi Osaka gets that asterisk. I think there's no doubt in my mind she wins that match. I hope not. Anyway. I and hope I, not. And I, luckily for us, I think, and I feel like we both agree on this, she's going to have lots of other Grand Slams. But she'll never have that first one back. That, that first moment. Th- let's talk about how we can sort of, as a tennis community use this scrutiny use the things that Serena has brought up whether they were applicable in this situation or not about the way that women are officiated against about the calls there have been very very many sort of spirited pieces of evidence thrown at this debate well men got more fines in this tournament but look at what Federer got away with saying and and Nick Kyrgios got coached Mm. by Leoni and the guy got out of his chair and coerced him to try 
I would love to see, and I think that this is a very doable um, outcome of this, let's have data. When Gina Davis got a sense in her gut that men were getting awarded all of the opportunities to direct, all the financing by Hollywood, everything that she knew helped the thumb on the scale towards keeping women down, she founded an institute of gender studies, put numbers behind this stuff, and then thrust them in the face of anyone who would watch. And I, to her great credit, I think has been a large part of changing the tide and the conversation around women in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. What if we were to do something like that? I think that would be a fantastic outcome. Well, you know plenty of nerds, so <laughs> get on it. Because I think that's a great idea. I think that's a great idea, and we should do that. I know that Tennis Australia has uh, got an email from Craig Tiley the other day from Tennis Australia. Mm-hmm. And they're already looking at uh, changing some things. Down in Australia, they're trying to con- get a full consensus from all the players, uh, TV people, mm-hmm. past players. I don't know what category I fall Can into. Can you say what some of those and, are? Uh, yeah, You're yeah. a leading luminary of the they're, game. That's uh, the category that you fall in. I'm old. Um, they are looking at uh, coaching. Uh-huh. Um, and Allowing it? Allowing it. For men and women? Uh, allowing it for men and women. Um, and do you think that that's good? Yeah, I mean, let's just let's just get rid of the ambiguity Me too. of, of this rule. It's bullshit. Hundred um, percent. And it's the only sport that doesn't allow it. And, and, and I hate coaching. Just let, let me just say, I've always been against the on-court coaching rule because I think, for me, as a player, I was smart. I didn't have a big this or a big that. But that I mean, was your advantage. My serve was pretty good and my volleys were pretty good. But, you know, I didn't have, like, massive game, uh-huh. right? But I had a good brain and mm-hmm. I could analyze the match and I could go from plan A to plan B to plan C. Mm-hmm. Some players go, yeah. They just hit the ball big. And that was your advantage. And that was my advantage. Mm-hmm. So why are you taking my advantage away by giving it to somebody else to right. get, help somebody else get through a match? Mm-hmm. If I can control myself and my nerves or, you know, my... That should be... That should be part of the game. Right. Okay. But we've thrown that out the door. Realistically. So if we're going to throw just, it out the door, yeah. TV love it. The crowd love to hear it. Yeah. Let's, let's implement it in and get rid of the non-coaching rule because it's just stupid. Now. And I think it would actually really help commentating. I've said this before and I mean it. You're, to me, one of my favorite commentators because you do a great job of actually explaining the game. It's not like, oh, he's feeling nerves. That doesn't mean anything to me. And I'm not singling out one commentator when I say that, although we both know I am. Um, what I like about on-court coaching is it gives the analysts in the booth the chance to connect their thoughts and their read yeah. to what the coach is actually saying and then changes that we're watching in the game. So not only does it help explain what we're watching, but it also allows people like me who are tennis players to take away something from the best minds in the game who are coaching the greatest and who, who are talking with the greatest on the court. I, win, win, win. Yeah. And and, and now that with, we, with you know, SAP, with the WTA and the IBM stats we have at the Grand Slams, we can also put the numbers yeah. and the Hawkeye, yeah. the use of the Hawkeye into this great debate as well of, you know, the coaching and then the this and here's the numbers and here's how we can show. So we're only making the, the viewership much better for people at home. Right. Uh, TA is also looking at, you know, maybe taking the lead out of the game. They're mm. sort of trying to find out if that's something that players are for or against. Uh, Where do you fall on that? I want to get rid of lets. No lets. Uh, no lets. Yeah. It's part of a point. Mm. Why should it not be a part of a serve? Yeah. And how many times has someone hit a great serve on a big point? It happened two years ago, I believe, with Serena in the Australian Open or three years ago. She had an unbelievable serve out wide and celebrates and let, and it's like nobody heard it except yeah. that stupid little machine that usually picks up just the vibration of the ball going over the net. The amount of times that's happened in mixed doubles, I'm like, let, what are you talking about? Right. It wasn't, didn't even touch it. It's just, yeah. you know, it sets off that stupid little thing. And everyone's like, what about the dead net court on the match point? I go, Oh, when does that ever happen? Yeah. I mean, and you know what? And if it does, well, then so be it. What yeah. about when you hit a crap ball and it hits the net and drops over? What's the difference? Yeah, it's a good point. It's okay. just, it's just. I'm convinced. No lets. Know? And it happens more that there's lets that aren't even heard or affect the serve. Yeah. That get called. True. And that's my problem. Yeah. And I hit that great serve out wide and I pick the right spot and I and she picked the wrong yeah. spot and I've hit and it just touched the net. Yeah, point. players aren't like get over getting it. a drop yeah. shot serve. No. Where they would. Yeah. It's okay. A, it happens in a point, so who cares? Like, let's. So that one. What else? I'm totally two, two for two. We're totally in agreement. Um, let's do this. Awesome. Tennis. Uh, what's the other thing? Oh, uh, the fifth set tiebreak. Obviously, what happened at Wimbledon is you know it caused a lot of um, conversation. Isner and Kevin Anderson's uh, epic five set match, which mm-hmm. just ruined them in the final. Yeah. Uh, nobody had a chance after that match. And you know when you see Kevin Anderson win the match, and he's just like, well, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, you got to get rid of the, the the extended set for the men, yeah. particularly in fives. 
I don't see. I don't have a problem with getting rid of it. Uh, not getting rid of it in the women's best of three, mm-hmm. but I think in best of five. Yeah, let's end it. This this argument has started to come back into favor because of the long Wimbledon mm. semifinal matches. Both of them, mm. obviously, the Isner yeah. Anderson match in particular, stretched into oh, a second a day. It was like three matches in one. Five sets. Well, I've always been a proponent of getting rid of five sets altogether. Me and then too. you start then you start stop the conversation of oh, we're equal prize money. That's guys the are thing. playing more. I'm equal like, prize money becomes go, a moot point because everyone's playing three listen, sets. Listen, a boring three set match at six two, six three, six two is a, is an extendedly boring three set match. I, I mean, mean I would argue people, the US Open final Oh yeah. By it, the time you're extended you're the getting to the Djokovic Del Potro extended third the set, it's like, Oh god, just put this up. You know, out of yes, misery. You have the odd match that two sets down, people come back and win a great five setter. I'm like, listen. I've made this argument. Go and watch all the men's matches at the Olympics. They yeah. are phenomenal. They're phenomenal. And, and they're, they're three unreal. sets except the final. Right? Three, But three sets is the norm for almost yeah. all the matches. And they're unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, the, the Del Potro-Roger Federer match at Wimbledon uh, at the Olympics in London was unbelievable. 17-15 mm-hmm. in the third. It was great. Like, let's play extended third sets Yeah, uh, and play three sets. Yeah, And everyone's like, yeah, but what about the great five setters? I go, is it the five setters that you remember or is it the fifth set that you remember exactly right nobody remembers I these don't remember obligatory the third, third and fourth sets I'm they're bored. such a snooze fest I'm bored and I'm a tennis purist and nobody Same. loves watching tennis or watches more tennis than me yeah. but I watched the the Nadal Roger Federer final at the Australian Open two years ago where everyone was shitting their the pants the fifth set is the like, only good set they're like oh this is the greatest match and I was like guys I left four times in the middle of that match to go get a drink because I was so bored and I'm an alcoholic and I'm not an alcoholic. <laughs> well, I'd spent two weeks working, so it was the first match I actually watched where I didn't, I, I could drink. And, and, you know, that extended five sets made me drink. But, I mean, it was the fifth set was the only thing that was really overly exciting. Those guys did not play good tennis at the same no. time, except for that one set. Yeah. So, really, what they're talking about is one good set. The final set. Agreed. That's all. We just want the final set. Exactly right. I want some urgency. Yeah. I don't want to feel like, okay, well, you know. Well, I don't we know go. if we're going to get that change, Caitlin, but maybe hopefully we will one day. And or I maybe think the just guys the would semis and finals? Yeah. Don't ruin these guys' bodies. Yeah. For what? Exactly. So I have to watch a boring third and fourth set? Yeah, exactly. No thanks. Mary Carrillo said to me, you know, you don't pay more money to watch a, a three-hour movie over a two-hour movie. Right. You just want to watch a good movie. Yeah. And that's what we need to think about when we're t- talking about five sets of tennis. And that is, you know, Wimbledon, oh, fuck. Five hours of sitting and watching yeah. the same match? I don't want to do anything for five hours. I'm bored. Totally. I'm totally bored. If it's a three-hour match and it's exciting, that women's stuff at the Australian Open with Halep and Kerber and those guys. And oh, yeah. Three hours and 40 minutes. I mean, shit, that was like on tenterhooks the whole match because every point was important. Yeah. I've seen guys throw, ma- throw sets because they're down a break in the fourth and they go, fuck it, let's just get to the fifth. Yeah, they. I saw it happen at the strain. I saw it happen at yeah. the French Open finals. Novak Djokovic was playing Nadal, and everyone's going to write me, and you know I'm going to get blown up on Twitter for this, but he totally tanked the fourth set because mm-hmm. he couldn't be bothered coming back. And I don't yeah. blame him. Right. I'm not going to blame him. It's the circumstance. Why would I try and come back? Right. Let's just start the fifth and you. Why used your emotional energy yeah. and physical energy? And what if I don't win this set anyway? Right. So ugh, let's just get to the fifth and let's go. Let's start from neutral. And that's what happens all the time in best of five. And guys that don't admit to that are lying. So anyway, that's the integrity of the sport as well for me. And I have a problem with that. Okay. So we're going to change well, we the world. Fixed all the, yeah. We fixed all the tennis rules. Call us. Uh, commissioners? Yeah. Commissioners, come on our show. We should be the commission. We should get the commissioners on our show. I agree. Uh, we, you know, we're available for consulting at the low, low rate of $10,000 an hour. Oh, thank God you said that. That's Not right. Like $500. No, come on. I'm, I'm an expensive. Standards. Exactly. All right. Setting all of the what has happened aside, let's briefly, before we're done, touch on what is to come for the rest of the year. You're going to go to Asia. I'm going to Asia with Carolina um, and hopefully get... Uh, her qualified for the WTA finals in Singapore, which is always a great event for everybody. Yes. Um, You're going to interview a few more I'm going to try and interview as many uh, folks as I can on the road in uh, places like Wuhan and Beijing, where guess what? There's not a lot to do in Wuhan. <laughs> Most people like to stay inside the hotel because the pollution level is atrocious. I'm sure the Wuhan Don't um, even get me started on why delighted. we're playing in a place where you can't breathe. Um, and players are playing out there for three hours. Mm. Not good for the lungs. Great. And I mean, you can hear mine, yep. you know, and I don't even smoke, <laughs> which apparently you're stopping again. Is that right? <sighs> it's a struggle. Yep. We're going to put this on the love podcast. We've uh, No, this know. is on the health podcast. That's right. We're going to have spinoffs. You know, we're human beings. We have our vices. We yeah. have our proclivities. We're just trying to do better one day at a time. Right, Renee? That's right. So anyway, I'm going to finish the year off there and then... Uh, and then I'm going to faint um, because it's been a long, it's been a long year. Okay, on. so going into the last stretch of the year, we've kind of already previewed what's going to happen on the men's side. 
hard to imagine Djokovic doesn't just clean up and yeah. end up winning He's the tour the finals. I mean, can anybody beat him? I mean, yes, indoors, probably in uh, an Roger. individual day. Maybe Roger indoors. Do you think Roger, given where he is with his season, is up for the task of taking him out one last time in Shanghai? Yeah, or? I think he'd like to uh, finish the year yeah. off on something worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and then uh, and then for the Australian Open, um, looking forward, um, I think that Serena's the favorite. Yeah. I think if she can keep herself fit and happy and healthy, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is a year into her really coming back. I mean, she yeah. only came back in March. So I think physically she was much better. Grand Slam finals yeah, I mean, within come on. What she's done is un- it's unreal. phenomenal. Yeah. Um, phenomenal. <laughs> it's I, a joke. My, uh, but my, the nerves have got the better of her in these finals. And that's yeah, an it's interesting, interesting right? for me. But I think in Australia, she's always felt this incredible relaxed um, environment there. Yeah. And I think that if, if she's going to break this record, be ironic or equal it, it would be ironic that if she did it in Australia, yeah. next to the Margaret Court Arena and the yeah. Rod Laver Arena. They should rename it they Serena should. Williams Arena. Yeah, they, they're the Sorry, co- Margaret Court, Sorry. but fuck you. Your, your record's now been equaled and yeah. we're getting Which wasn't a record anyway because uh, nobody went to Australia uh, during all those years, so uh, I don't know why it was even a thing. Anyway, um, touche. Yes. Correct. Yes. Um, but Serena, I think, will be really um, ready to prime to go there as yeah. long as you know she's up for the task physically. Seven matches is a lot and emotionally. But I think in Australia, I think at Wimbledon, in the U.S. Open, the emotions are a little bit higher for her. Uh-huh. Wimbledon is Wimbledon. Everybody, yeah. it just has this aura around it. It's magic. The U.S. Open, of course, for her being American, mm-hmm. and she hasn't won it for a, a number of years, has always been a bit of an emotional struggle, Roberta Vinci, uh, for her, <laughs> yeah. I mean, on top of her trying to win the Grand Slam that year against uh, um, uh, Roberta Vinci. Yep. But I think in Australia, she feels really comfortable and really at home, and, and that the tension is not quite as high there as it is at, at, this, at those particular other Grand Slams that she made a final. So she's my favourite at the yeah. Australian Open. And I think Halep will be knocking on the door down there as well. Yeah. Um, and uh, our little Sabalenka and Osaka. Oh, man. they get through. Super excited to watch them. Yeah. Uh, did, did they both qualify for Singapore, do you think? Do you think they make it? They uh, cap Osaka off the will, year? for yeah. sure, after winning the Open. Yeah. And uh, Sabalenka is on the knocking uh, on the door, but there's a lot that are knocking on the door. The future is here, yeah, Renee. It is. It is. I'm excited. I'm excited. Get to talk about those two for a long time. All right, let's go to rehab and uh, come back and do it again. Yeah, rehab. (laughs) Okay. Therapy. (laughs) Didn't you just come from therapy? I did. Oh, well done. Thank you. Give me that number. I will. And that's it for this episode of the Racket Magazine podcast. Thanks for listening. Our host is Renee Stubbs. Our co-host and producer is me, Caitlin Thompson. Music by internationally renowned DJ Stretch Armstrong. Thanks to Tim Ruggieri, Taylor Dalton, and the team at ACAST. Find us at racketmag.com slash podcast and subscribe to us at any of your favorite podcatchers. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.